There is such a, a presence of the Lord here today, and I want you to understand that the reason why that is here is because of you. You are the body of Christ. You are men and women, women that are the body of Christ that are amazing, gifted, anointed, called, unique. You are accepted as we learned in our last series. You are no longer rejected. The spirit of rejection, the feeling of rejection is no longer a part of your life because you are accepted because Jesus did the work. You are forgiven, and that's why you walk in forgiveness. Unforgiveness is no longer a part of your life. The chains that bound you, the things that bound you because of life, no longer have a hold on you. So I encourage you, the body of Christ, to live this life knowing that God has something even greater than you could ask or think. We found that you are important. The spirit of unimportance no longer has a hold of your life. No matter where you're at, what you do, there's purpose in you because God gave that to you in your mother's womb and you are the healed. You walk in healing. Divine health is what Jesus was talking about when he said it is finished. Jesus Christ came because you are his daily delight. Every day, Jesus thinks about you. Jesus is a father's daily delight, but you are Jesus' daily delight. And because of that, throughout the cross, as we learned in our last series, our new series today, we're going to be talking about the body of Christ, you. The body of Christ. And we're going to spend, usually I spend six to eight weeks on a series now it looks like we're going to be on a journey of finding out you, the body of Christ. And so today, the body of Christ is generous. <clears throat> I entitled this, Am I Generous? Let's look at a familiar story in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 1 through 8 says this, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Just imagine the, the atmosphere of that place. Here's Lazarus ministering and walking around who was dead but was raised from the dead. That story carries the atmosphere of that day. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. And I just want to stop there and say, it describes what was happening. The perfume was just radiant. The fragrance was amazing. But I want to say to you, my sense in this I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible, but my sense is that it was a fragrance of the presence of the Lord. That the presence of the Lord was there. It already proclaimed the blessings of raising from the dead. It already proclaimed the blessings of someone giving in extravagance. It already explained the life of the body of Christ. 
and how when the body of Christ moves in such an anointed, mighty way that great miracles take place and the presence of the Lord is there. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was the fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Even at that time, people were being led of the Holy Spirit, anointing Jesus for the burial, the crucifixion. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Why did Mary do this? You ever thought of that? Why would he do that? Why would she do that? Before we answer this, I want you to ask yourself a question, though. Here's the question I want you to ask. Am I generous? Yeah, I'm part of the body of Christ. Am I generous? Am I a generous person? Mary came and gave a generous gift of 300 denarii worth of perfume. You know, that was just shy of a year's worth of wages that that perfume cost. Can you imagine buying perfume that cost one year of wages and pouring it out on someone's feet? I mean, you wonder, why do people do things? Now, here's, here's a question that I want to ask you. We're talking about the body of Christ. Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you do, why does sometimes God speak to you and tell you to do something that's really kind of peculiar? Why do you do that? And these are the things that we're going to begin to understand when we begin to realize fully who we are as the body of Christ. So Mary went and a year's wages, poured this out on the feet of Jesus, and we know the doctrinal issue of this as we study this regarding the burial. But obviously, this was an extravagant gift from someone who is seen as generous. Why did Mary do this? But here's another question. Why did it bother Judas? Because generosity and selfishness is a battle you and I face all of our life on this earth. Generosity and selfishness is a battle. We are born selfish and must learn the life of generosity. Let me explain this this way. Have you ever heard a child say the word, mine? I have seven grandchildren. They're wonderful. But they say mine sometimes in such a pitch that, you know, you're, you're carrying on a conversation in another room, and all of a sudden you hear, mine, mine, give me that. That's mine, mine, mine. I know you're getting bothered by that now. Let me tell you, uh, you younger parents, there will come a time as you get older, you don't care about justice. You just want quiet. You don't care who wins the battle. Now, because 
we are born selfish, we have to have God do a work in our heart in the area of generosity. And there's a peculiar way, there's a particular way that God does it. There's a way that God brings into our life and he works on our heart regarding generosity. First of all, let me tell you, generosity comes from God. Generosity comes from God and selfishness comes from Satan. You know, Satan was selfish before the fall and it's really what caused him to fall. I, I know, you know, the doctrinal issue of, well, was it pride, was it, but I just want to tell you, selfishness was in him. When Satan fell from heaven, Satan made these statements. He said, I will be exalted. I will sit on the throne. I will be like God. Matter of fact, he was going, mine! He's literally saying, life is about me, and it is a self-pride selfishness. But look at what Judas says here. And I want to begin to explain some things. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, <clears throat> why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Verse 6, it's amazing how verse 6 explains to us his, his life. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. Remember that statement. But because he was a thief and had a money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Judas' excuse was that it should have been given to the poor. Let me say this to you. This is the age-old excuse to cover up selfishness. We need to give it to the poor. Why would God say in the same passage, the poor you will always have with you? See, God is speaking to the body of Christ. He's speaking to the church. And, and he's telling us who we are. He's telling us our identity. He's telling us the fabulous ability we have to care for people, not only care for people, but to transform and help change people. And in this reality, we find Judas, who's a thief, Judas, who really doesn't care for the poor, Judas, who is selfish, literally is using giving to the poor as an excuse for all the things that he was not doing because he was a thief. Judas believed Jesus was there to set up an earthly kingdom when he found out that that wasn't the plan. You know what he did? Judas began to set up his own little kingdom and he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. The reason why that he did this is because Judas was selfish. Judas had the same ability you and I had to be generous, but he chose selfishness. So what I am trying to bring out in this whole journey we have on the body of Christ, do you not know how amazing you are as the body of Christ? Do you not realize the gifting you have to change lives around you? Do you not know how important you are to those that are next to you? Do you not realize it's not position, but it's who you are that changes people? God will put you in position. He will put you in the place he wants you to be. 
But what he's asking you and I to be is generous. Selfishness always looks at the prosperity or the extravagance of others to cover up their own selfishness. Look at that person. I can't believe that that person, look what he does. He's living in that house. Why is he living in that house? Look at the car that person's driving. Oh, look at that ring that person's wearing. We always look at the prosperity if we're living in selfishness and we try to to make ourselves feel better because we have not been generous not knowing the life of that person. You see, selfishness doesn't care about the poor. Selfishness cares about self. Selfishness provides and protects themselves. Selfishness looks after self. And selfishness provides good reason to not be generous or not to give. Giving to the poor and a selfish person is covering up their reason for not being generous in giving in other places. What's amazing about John 12 is it says Judas was a thief. He had the money box and took what was in it. Now, what's really funny, and this is the way I always look at things, you know me, is who gave Judas the box to hold? Jesus did. Yeah. Now, another question. Did Jesus know Judas was a thief? Yeah. Now, in business sense, for all you business people, that would not be a smart thing to be selling things and give a thief the box of money. Why would Jesus do that? Well, let's explain. What I'm about to say you don't want to miss. You will always be tested in your area of weakness. Not so you will fail, but that you will overcome it and succeed. There are many areas in our life that God tests. Now remember, as we've covered before, God does not test with evil. He doesn't. But God will test us. And he tests you and me in areas of our weakness. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. When I got a hold of this, and a lot of you are thinking, well, well, yeah, I mean, God's not going to test you. No. You know what I got a hold of? That God made a way of escape. I am weak. I have struggles in my life, in areas of my life. But when I begin to be tempted or begin to move in that area, what I need to do is stop and look at that little window of escape. What is the way of escape? And you know what the Bible teaches us? Be generous. Say, what? Be generous? Yeah. Because there's one way that God tests us, every one of us. And there's other weaknesses we have that maybe I'm not testing because that's a strength in me. 
that might be a weakness in you. See, in the body of Christ, we're not perfect. We serve the perfect one. But we have an ability to escape everything that will create harm in our lives. If we would just begin to walk in this mentality of we're the body of Christ, we're important, and the person next to me is more important than myself. I choose graciousness instead of selfishness. I choose to give to my brother than give to myself. I choose to think of my brother or sister more than I think of myself. See, you will be given responsibility in your area of weakness just like Judas was. Why did Jesus give the box to Judas? Because he was being tested in his weakness and he failed. But you don't have to fail. Judas' weakness was money. You are being tested right now, church, everyone in the body of Christ, as to how much spiritual authority you can walk in by the way you handle money. That's the one way every one of us are tested. In Luke chapter 16, verse 11, it says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? I do a lot of training of leadership. Excuse me. And in, in, in training of leadership, I always say that ministry is not about you and your position and your call. Ministry is about people. Because when you're in ministry and you really have the heart of God, God will bring you people who need what you can give them. But if you're selfish, God can't bring people to you. And that's what the scripture is saying here. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in their unrighteous mammon, money, who will commit to you your trust the true riches? True riches speaks about people. True riches is about souls. True riches is about your gifting, words of knowledge, gifts of healings, prophecy. True riches is about power. True riches is about laying hands on the sick that they would recover. It's about people. And when we get to a place in our life and we, we don't understand that generosity is such a key to being the body of Christ that we can fail. And when we're tested in areas of our weakness, we don't see that little window of escape that he's planned for you. And you know that way of escape in many instances is when God says, I want you to bless somebody. I want you to give. When someone is mean to you, I want you to bless them with love. Hmm. The Lord has four times asked me to give a car to someone. And I did four times. Now, um, don't misunderstand. Um, They weren't new cars. But the way I take care of my vehicles, I'm driving one now, 200 and. 27,000 miles on it, and it runs like brand new. But he told me to give, and I, I, I gave. 
The Lord has told me to give extravagantly in areas of my life. And there were times my wife and I that we had, we had saved and we put together a, a, an amount to um, buy our first home. And the Lord said, I want you to give that away. And we did. Now I own two homes. Is it because I make a lot of money? No. It's because I've learned the life of generosity. Now don't get me wrong. Remember I told you that is we need to learn. There were times I had to learn. There were times I, were t- I was tested and there were times I failed. But we need to get to a place in our life is that we have to acknowledge we are the body of Christ. You know, people say, don't talk about money in the church. Did you know that in Scripture, Jesus speaks of money 30% of the time when he ministered? Wow. It's not how much you have, it's what you do with it in your heart. Listen very closely. What I am saying to the body of Christ regarding generosity is every week God is testing us with money. Every time you get paid, God is testing you with money. And generosity is extravagant. Generosity, we're not talking about just being nice. We're talking about the spiritual content of the body of Christ in generosity is to become extravagant. Is to be able to pour out that oil, but it has to have purpose. There are a lot of people that think that they... they, handle money well. No, they don't. If you don't have purpose with what you're doing with everything you're doing, then you're not being a good steward. This is where everybody gets quiet. Generosity means it's more than enough. Let me show you how generous God is. In Ephesians 1, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with some spiritual blessing. Is that what it says? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We read the scripture in our last series. See, in Christ, you have everything you need. We have more than enough to be very generous, but we have to see ourselves and act on generosity. We cannot just look at our bank account. We cannot just look at our car. We cannot just look at what we have. We can't just look at our singing voice and say, well, I sing okay. Someone's asking me to sing. I sing okay. No. When, when God is leading and God has purpose, we walk in obedience. That's what Mary did. Mary, what Mary did was extravagant. Judas saw it as a waste. And there are times in your life and in my life, that we see things as a waste when someone does something extravagant. There should never, ever be a time that we should look upon anybody in the body of Christ and say what you're doing is a waste. 
they might be falling right on their face doing things, but if they're doing it with a heart, extravagance of generosity of doing something, then we must pick them up and then help them and and help them learn how to do things with discipline. But the reality is, is that the body of Christ is created to be generous. The body of Christ is created to be extravagant. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus see it was a waste? Did he see it as a waste? No. Now, the question really is, to God the Father, was it an extravagant gift? So the thing is, how much money would be extravagant to God? How much giving would be extravagant to God? (laughs) Let me just throw your mind into a tizzy. The extravagance, we are not talking about money because God owns it all. But it includes money. God uses money to test us. The tithe. Because God owns everything. So how much money would it take to impress God if he owns everything? It doesn't. What impresses God is not money, it is your heart. Better said, here it is, God wants you. I said earlier that Jesus is the Father's daily delight, Scripture tells us. But you, the body of Christ, is Jesus' daily delight. He delights in you every day. And in delighting in you, what he sees is someone who's very generous and someone that has no problem being extravagant. We are the body of Christ. We're gifted. We're called. We're anointed. God wants us, which includes our money, and our money, in most instances, represents our heart. You see, in many instances when God is asking for finances or giving us something, he's asking for your heart. Well, you know, they really don't deserve that because Judas was the opposite. He was selfish, and he said, well, we could have sold it and gave it to the poor. That's not what he was looking for. He was looking to put it in a box and take money because that was his heart. He was selfish. Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the conclusion is God wants your heart, which is you. Our greatest uh, journey of 2019, as we proclaimed vision in the last few weeks, is to journey in the life of generosity, to journey in a life of who you are, of knowing that you are the body of Christ and you are very generous. So when God has our heart, we are then giving generously all the time in every area of our life. But let's, because the beginning of the year, as I do every year, there are three levels of giving. First of all is, is a tithe, and that's not really giving, that's returning. You're returning what's God's. 10% of your 
gross income is a tithe. And you are returning that to the Lord. Second of all, you have giving and offering. Third of all, you have extravagant giving like Mary. Did you know that the average church in America, 32% get to the first level of tithe? 68% do not tithe. Yeah. I'm glad some of you said, wow, it shocked you. See, God is looking for the body of Christ to be very generous and to defeat selfishness by returning what is God's. Now, picture with me, Well, I didn't say this at first service. Why do you think Jesus gave the money box to Judas? To test him of his weakness, yeah. But to realize in Malachi when he says, if we don't return the tithe, we rob God. He puts both in together. See, what I love about God, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, is they don't slap us around. You are their daily delight. But they know how you get to the pinnacle of what your life is all about, what your life is called to. The pinnacle of what your life is called to, the calling, the anointing, what you are to accomplish in your life comes through understanding that you are a generous person. You tithe, you give offering, and you become extravagant at times. When my wife and I gave what we gave, that was extravagant. That's all we had. And at first that was tough. It was a test. It was hard. I wanted to fail it on purpose. You know, God, um, 10 years from now, can we do this over? Hmm. See, if you get to the first level, returning your tithe, you will get to the second level and maybe even to the third. Tithing breaks the curse and it opens the windows of heaven. Tithing breaks the curse and it opens the windows of heaven. There is a level of generosity God wants to do in our hearts. Let me show you some people in the Bible who gave extravagantly. First one we talked about, Mary, one year wages and perfume. Did you know David, uh, King David, he wanted to build the temple, but God said he couldn't because blood on his hands, because of what he did in sin. And because of that, then Solomon was to build the temple. But David was such a great man that in latter years learned generosity, learned graciousness, learned how to be that giver, and David collected, in today's money, collected $21 billion today for Solomon to build the temple. The money that he collected and used today would be worth $21 billion, and he gave it to Solomon. That's extravagant. That's someone who, in the beginning years of his life, made mistakes and failed at times. But he learned generosity. He learned graciousness. 
you can do the same thing. See, a lot of people, when they hear messages like this, they, they start feeling condemnation. I want to tell you, if you're born again, the Bible says, therefore, there is no condemnation to them who are the called. How many of you are the called? Every one of you. Amen. Well, Solomon, after that, learned from David. And when he was anointed king, according to law, he was to sacrifice one bull as the practice. He was to go before God and to say, I'm under you, I submit to you, even though I am king, I submit to you. And he sacrificed a thousand bulls. Now, a lot of you would say, yeah, but he probably had a thousand areas where they all did it together. No, one at a time. One at a time. Boom, 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 boom. All that time. Second Chronicles tells us the result. And this is the pinnacle that God wants you and I to get to, but it comes through the giving process up through extravagance. And Solomon went up there, Second Chronicles chapter 1, and Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it, singular. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? Did you know Scripture says, ask and you shall receive? A lot of, a lot of preachers, never, they never, oh, you can't say that, just God will give you everything. Wait, it happened right there. Well, that's the Old Testament. It happened right there. It's Scripture. It's God's heart that what he did, but see, what happened first was that Solomon understood generosity. Solomon understood the gift and the power of the body of Christ. If the body of Christ would rise up and be so gracious and be so giving and learn to live in the, in the tithe and the offering and be extravagant and bless people around them, that God would say, ask what you want. You see, God will never say to a selfish person, ask anything. Church, do you not realize how important you are? It's in every area of your life. Every place that you set your foot is yours, Scripture says. Lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. How come we lay hands on the sick, and many people don't recover? Because we haven't gone through the process of graciousness. And when we're tested, we balk at it. But when there's a need, we want it. Mine, mine, mine. Selfishness. I promise you I won't say mine again. Some of you remember the past. Let's all stand.
Thank you for being who you are, the body of Christ. I love you because love is in me, not because of what you do. But I brag on you because of what you do. So I don't ever want to hear again from anybody, well, how can you brag on me if you don't know me? Because we're the body of Christ. I know who the body of Christ is. If you're here today, man, the worship was just, Pastor Ryan, I, I'm, still, I'm still basking in the worship. In the middle of my message here given to you today, I was singing in my spirit the, the last song they sang. It was just, I was still rejoicing. I didn't want to stop worship. There might be a day I might just go to Ryan and say, just keep going on Sunday. Would you be with us? We did that. Amen. Amen. And because there is a, a prophetic word coming out of our music. There was a season in Christian music that prophecy was not a part of it. It was good sound. It was good music. It was word. It was wonderful. It was good. But we're, we're, I'm sensing in, in this season that the Lord is really prophesying through worship. He's speaking. He's teaching. He's, he's changing and transforming lives through worship. And that's fun. I love that. And I hope that you do too. But as we about ready to leave, I, I just want to, as I'm thanking you, I want to say to you also, thank you for being able to hear, even if some of today was correction. Thank you for not allowing that, that selfishness, that spirit of selfishness to ride on you and to say, oh, I don't want to hear this. He's talking about money. I talk about money maybe 5%, 3% of the time. The council, right, tells me, you need to talk about money more. Amen, you know. Then I say, well, tell me how. Because I, I just, in my life, I just, God's going to do it. I just believe it. I do what he said to do. I tithe. I, I, I give offering. I extravagantly give. I just do it. I know God's going to take care of me. Amen. But as your pastor, I need to help you in this reality. Tithing will open the windows of heaven. If you haven't done that, start today. Ask someone in the, in the foyer, how do you do this? What do you do? Ask one of the elders, come up front. Get an envelope and start. And start. And God's going to just transform you. Because why? You're the body of Christ. You're everything to him. And God wants to use you to change your communities and to change everyone that you touch. Thank you, Joshua, for being here. What a thrill to have you here. Thank you. And I will keep this. And my grandchildren will probably inherit that. But that's got a story behind it. And thank you for all of you that have been to Cambodia. Blessings to you. I know that you are thrilled about what God has done through the years. Let me pray for you. Father.
Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the willingness of the body of Christ to grow, to be everything you've called us to be. Lord, help us to see our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. Help us to just invite them to Jesus. Invite them to our lives. Bring them to church. Give them church with our lives. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to to see areas as we, today is a day that we pray for our missionaries. In Jesus' name, bless them. Honor our missionaries, Lord. Give them insight and wisdom that they've never had before so they can carry on in a greater way what you have planned for them. And as we leave this place, Lord, we are the body of Christ who are generous and we choose not to be selfish. And when that test comes, we will pass it. And we give you honor for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing day.